Come on, somebody praise the Lord. <laughs> somebody in here praise the Lord. Uh, Henry Van Dyke said, time is too slow for those who wait, too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice. But for those who love, time is eternity. I don't know what I could say to adequately express my heartfelt thanks on behalf of my wife and I uh, for the way you have embraced me, showered me with prayers, supported me with gifts and grace, kept me grounded, <laughs> encouraged me through the greatest debacle of all times, Patriots, giant Super Bowl loss, <laughs> wept with me over the Lakers, Celtics embarrassment, and rejoiced with me in their triumph over Superman and his magical assistants. You know, in these few years, I've seen babies add such personalities to families. I've seen children enter the ranks of teendom, and teenagers exchange Bobby's, Bob, uh, Bobby socks for stockings. I've witnessed a renovated church rise from the foundations of a humble home and uh, catalog the revival of our church, the mission of our church, to evangelize the valley in this generation. You know, we've lost a few people, some to the chilly grips of death, others to the bright lights of destinations exotic. We've lost a few battles and wept as we've seen the fateful fruits of earlier mistakes and missteps. Yes, as a church, we've been bruised, but we've refused to be beaten. Because through all the variables, through all the changes, through all the uncertainties, one thing is still certain. One thing is still consistent. One thing is still constant. And that's God is good. You know, I'm thankful to God for giving me the opportunity to know and to be known. To love and to be loved. To pray and to be prayed for by so many saints at this noble church. I've learned so much at this university in the valley. And I'm still currently enrolled in FTITF 101. Faith tried in the fire. I do believe I've still got a class pass to... PPB 215, perfected praise for believers. And though I'm transferring to another campus, I will continue to attend the field practicum WWTM 512, working with the master. You know, I want to tell you that whatever good has come from our ministry here, I give all the credit to Jesus, the center of my joy. Amen. 
the source of my strength, my glory and the lifter up of my head. I know I've hurt many during my time here. Please forgive me and pray for me that I will not be a pain to others. But you know, today for me, this is not goodbye. It's merely when will I see you again. Uh, uh, it's you pray for me and I'll pray for you. It's I'll see you this summer when Utah blizzards give way to Salt Lake City suns. I thought long and hard about what my last official message as an assistant here at Imani should be. And something kept telling me, transition out the way you transitioned in. Start with Jacob and Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. Most of you know that this text is central to my spiritual personality. It is my rock in time of trouble. It is my warm blanket on a cold winter's night. It is my flashlight during a midnight blackout. It is my compass that reorients me to God's grace. With it, I feel anchored in the safety and security of the universe's only constant, and that's G-O-D, God. And so it is to Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, I turn now and ask you to follow along as I gather a few words of encouragement to share with family, with you always. Let's pray. Father, we have come to this time. We have come to this season. We ask now, Lord, that your Shekinah glory abide in this place. Lord, for everything, Lord, we give you thanks because we know in everything you work all things for our good. So now as we spend a few moments sharing from your word, Encourage us, Lord. I encourage myself in you. You know, you are my everything. Your life and breath to me, Lord. You are everything. Bless the people today, Lord. They wait for a word from you. Hide me, Lord. Help that your glory will outshine the robes that we wear. Help that your glory will outshine whatever good we do. Help that your glory will shine today in this service. Is my prayer. Let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 finds Jacob journeying from Beersheba to Haran. This is this journey is typical of the journeys in life. We all must take. Are you hearing me today? You know, at some point in our experience, we must move on from the familiar sights etched in our memories from constant exposure in order to explore new territories, bursting with a kaleidoscope of colors. At some point in our lives, we ought to launch out. At some point, we ought to be able to give up our cherished 
rooms in mama's house. Somebody's with me today. In order to build our own house. At some point in our journey, we have to be willing to give up the comforts of the known and to follow God into the unknown. For if we are to grow at some point in time, we've got to go. See, going is an imperative. It is not an option. Sooner or later, we must all journey from Beersheba to Haran. Both places represent different destinations we experience in life. Beersheba, well of sevens, or well of oats, though a wilderness is located in the southern extremities of Canaan's cultivated lands. I'm going somewhere. Beersheba is the place of promise and provision, a wilderness where God's wonderful works show up on the borders of the promised land. It is here in Beersheba that Hagar and Ishmael finds God to be their provider and sustainer, though abandoned and disowned by Abraham. It is here at Beersheba that Elijah is fed by angels and, and strengthened for his journey to meet with God and to confront Jezebel again. Beersheba is where Abraham and Isaac make covenants with Abimelech who hated them both but who grudgingly recognized God's provision and, 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 and providence in their lives. Jacob knew the story of Beersheba well. He knew the God of Beersheba as the God of his fathers. He was comfortable with a picture of, of with this picture of God the Almighty. Living on the borders of the promised land, he was content in living in the shadows of the patriarchs. Serving their God and benefiting from their faith. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 28 verse 10 that it was time to journey. Beersheba would be important to him as a connection with the God of his fathers. As an anchor, if you please, as a template of God's blessings in the midst of adversity. Don't we all have our Beersheba? Don't we all have that place where God blesses? Don't we all have our Beersheba, the place where God made room for you to dwell and anointed your head in the very presence of your enemies? Don't we all have our Beersheba, the place where even those who were against you wanted to be with you because God's blessings was heavy on you? Jacob knew the God of Beersheba. He had stolen a blessing in Beersheba. He had fraudulently conferred a blessing on himself in Beersheba. He had heard of God showing up at Beersheba, but now he would have to journey in order to meet God on the road to the parched place Haran. 
For you know that's what Haran means in the Hebrew. It's a parched place. And, and so if Beersheba is the place of provision, then Haran is the place of paucity. Genesis chapter 11 verse 31 and 32 shows us that Haran, follow me now. Haran had developed into a residential settlement when all that God really wanted it to be was a rest stop. The Bible tells us that Tyre and his gang left Ur of the Chaldees on their way to Canaan, but they, but they stopped along a rest stop. And they lived there and some of them even died there. See, on our way to Utah, we, this week we, we saw so many rest stops. Anybody know, know what I'm talking about? Yes, you, you, you drive for any distance, there are rest stops there. And some of them will have a little sign that says, rest stop. No services here. It means if you're running out of gas, that's not the exit to take. Somebody say amen. Haran was supposed to be a rest stop for Tira and his family, but they took up residence at the rest stop. I don't know how many of us are, 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 are in our Haran's in our own lives, a place that was there to revive you for your journey, but that became your final destination. See, Haran is the place that should have been a temporary tent, but became a permanent town. Haran is the end point that was originally only a midpoint. <laughs> it's not easy to leave Haran. Tira and his traveling gang got to Haran from Babylon and they settled there, Scripture tells us, because Haran is an interesting place. It's not as bad as Babylon, but Haran can never be as promising as the promised land. You see, uh, 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 Haran locks us down with the promise that it is better than where we are coming from. But don't you know that Haran could never be as great as where God wants us to go? And ultimately, we have to understand that all our stops here on earth are merely Haran. And we've got to learn how to let go and get going with God to the promised land, seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. You've got to understand that Haran is that place that you, you want to pass through, but you really don't want to possess because your possessions lie in the promised land. Bible says Tira left Babylon with his GPS set on Canaan, but he settled in Haran and died there. The rest of Abraham's families dwelt there, but God uh, commanded Abraham to depart from there, to leave Haran and to continue journey. 
So here we are in chapter 28. Jacob goes on a reverse journey. Going from the promised land to the parched places. Traveling from Beersheba to Haran. And it's on this backwards journey, this journey of subtraction, if you please. It's on this journey where he has to leave everyone he loves. His dying father and his lovely mother. Where he has to leave everything he loves. The birthright bought for a bowl of soup and the blessings gained by a wild game. That he gets to understand God for himself. It is on this self-imposed exile that Jacob meets the God who is with you in the parched lands of life. I don't know about you today, but I, I believe there are some important lessons for us to learn today. There are three important lessons that the scripture teaches us about God's presence, power, providence, and provisions even in our parched places. Genesis chapter 28, verse 15 and 16. Bible says, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Verse 16 says, Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18 says, Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that had been his pillows and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. The first lesson that we need to learn today is that God sends us into the parched places. <laughs> it's a tough lesson to learn, but if we are to grow, we have to understand that God strategically sends us into parched places. How do you know you're heading into parched places? You know, you can know when you're, when you're on a road trip. When you need to stop and get some gas. Because for the next 200 miles. Anybody ever been there? When you know you, if you need to use the restroom, now is the time. When you know if you need a good bite to eat, it's now or never. 
Whenever you see those signs start dimming and nobody's interested anymore in street lights. When the mileposts tell you 40 miles, 60 miles, 150 miles to your next destination, that's when you know you're entering into the parched places. You're no longer surrounded by signs of security. Jacob had no tent. He had no pillow. He had no companionship. He had no guards. He had no sign of security. And, and in fact, there was no path to where he was going. You know when you're going into the parched places, when you have to build the path you're walking on to get to where you're going. You know, you know you're in the parched places when the place you're going to has no name. See, the Bible says in Genesis 28 verse 10 that Jacob lighted onto a certain place. It had no name. Later on, he found out that the place was called Luz Almond Tree. See, some places we go, uh, they either have no name or the name is so ironic I won't even say some names from Jamaica. But Elder Examines is from Blue Hole. Are the Examines here? We're still friends. I'm still staying at their home. So I will not be able to comment too much on that one. But you know you're headed into parts places when when there's no sign of civilization and where when there's no path preset for you to to walk in when there's no security blanket for you when when if you break down it's just you and the wilderness at, at god's mercy but don't you know that god sends us into the parched places because it's in the parched places that God intends for us to expand his work. Yeah, yeah. And for God's work to expand, we've got to be willing to leave the palaces and to enter into the parched places. You see, God is calling us to, to leave the familiar places and to confront the frontier spaces. God is calling us to adopt a missionary mindset, a frontier mindset that says, even if there isn't a road, I will build the road. See, Matthew chapter 28, go ye therefore is missionary minded. When, when you're a missionary, you have no security that the people will like Jesus because you're meeting them on their own turfs. There is no script for you to take. That's what Jesus told his disciples. When you go, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. In fact, you'll come up with methodologies that you will have to name yourself because nobody has ever named it because nobody thought of going to the places where you went to. So God says, I'm sending you into the parched places because my work has got to grow. 
God sends us into the parched places not only to expand his work, but to expand our minds. In fact, God sends us sometimes into the parched places just to prove to us that he is in the parched places also. See, Jacob knew that God was at Beersheba, but, but, but when he came to that certain place and he got the vision from God, he woke up in the morning and he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I did not expect to see God here. See, if all you're experiencing of God is in Beersheba, we run the risk of missing him, him in Haran. Jacob couldn't imagine that he could find God here. But don't you know that so many times the blessings that we're seeking uh, in Beersheba can only be found in the parched places? See, Jacob stole a blessing in Beersheba, but it's only when he went into the parched places that he got a revelation from God for himself. I'm going somewhere. See, what you fought for and stole in Beersheba is given to you freely in the parched places. God came to him without an invitation, without him binding God by any promises. God came to him freely and said, here I am, I will be with you always. Isn't that what you wanted when you stole the birthright from your brother? Isn't that what you wanted when you tricked your father? You couldn't get it in the palace, but I'm going to give it to you when you go through the parched places. See, the second lesson we need to learn is God supervises us in the parched places. Say supervises. See, God sends us into the parched places, but he doesn't leave us there. Uh, Genesis 28 verse 15 says, I will watch over you. Come on, somebody say, watch over me. See, in the parched places, God has to watch over us because the parched places, we go to the parched places for preparation. Soldiers go to the parched places for preparation. They've got to go to the parched places so that they can be separated from the comforts of home. They can be isolated from the incidentals of life and they can concentrate totally on God's calling in their lives. He sends us into the, the parched places for preparation. And don't you know that Jesus had to go into a parched place himself in order to prepare for his own ministry? difficult to do ministry if you haven't been to a parched place 
It's difficult to do ministry if you haven't gone through the fire, gone through the flood, if you haven't experienced what it's like to come under spiritual attack and have to uh, lock yourself down, uh, cut the television off, uh, uh, take yourself from our food, uh, uh, forget about your friends, uh, uh, forget about your family just for now, uh, forget about the pleasant music, uh, forget about the entertainment and, and focus your your soul and seeking God and knowing his will for your life see God watches over us during our time in the parched places because the parched places in the parched places we are transformed you know I was watching something on YouTube the other day, uh, 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 about a recycling center that takes your old computer and they break that thing apart and the, the motherboard and the CP, CPU, they, 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 they strip it down because within those old components that are worthless are some valuable metals, gold, silver, because Gold is a great conductor for electricity. So don't throw away your old computer. You go to these places, they tell you, oh, it's, it's not worth anything. Just, just turn it in. We'll give you a $2 coupon to Burger King or something like that. You know, That's because it's got gold on the inside. But it cannot be used or reused unless it goes through a process. It has to go through a process that separates what's worthless from what's worthwhile. It has to go through a transformation process. If you please, G-I-G-O, that, that old uh, acronym that we use, garbage in, garbage out, becomes transformed into garbage in, gold out. See, when you go into the parched places, God decides that there are some things that needs to be burnt off. Some things need to be burnt away in order for the precious metal to come up on the inside so that you can be used. God is preparing you, but in order for him to use you, he's got to transform you. And God transforms best when we go through the parched places. See, Jacob had gifts, but he had problems. And I always said it. I compare myself most to Jacob in the Bible. Because, you know, when you're small, believe it, I used to be smaller than this. You learn to use other assets apart from physical strength. To get what you want. And that's a survival mechanism that has to go if you're going to be a good minister. You can't be a manipulator. That's got to be burnt off from me. I can't try to manipulate the process so that I come out on top every time. 
Anybody hearing me today? See, maybe you're going through that parched place because God wants to use you, but there are certain things that keeps clinging onto the precious uh, characters of your life that he's got to burn away. That famous poem, When God Wants a Man, the end portion says, Then to test his spirits, he throws a mountain in his path, puts a bitter choice before him, and relentlessly stands over him. Climb or perish, he says. But watch his purpose. Watch his ways. God's plan is wondrous kind. Could he, could we understand his mind's Fools are they who call him blind. When his feet are torn and bleeding. Yet his spirit mounts unyielding. Blazing newer paths and finds. When the force that is divine leaps to challenge every failure. And his ardor still is sweet. And love and hope are burning in the presence of defeat. Lo, the crisis. Lo, the shouts that would call the leader out. When the people need salvation, does he rise to lead the nation? Then doth God show his plan. And the world has found a man. See, God watches over us in the parched places because they're transformatory. But they're only temporary. Somebody should say amen for that. <laughs> you see, when God is transforming you, it is so taxing, it has to be temporary. Who could stand up to God? <laughs> Who could bear his tests indefinitely? But praise God today, I know that God's lead us into the parched places for a temporary period it is timed and it is temporary the art of cooking is the art of timing take it all too early it's not done take it all too late <laughs> it's no use come on somebody somebody knows what i'm talking about you know when you want to get that golden brown? That golden brown is a matter of timing. Some of us are not so great at timing. If somebody tells you you can't cook, just tell them you're working on your timing. Come on, say, I'm working on my timing. Nobody's going to say it. I'll say it for you. I'm working on my timing. I'm working on my timing. The eggs are overdone. I'm working on my timing. See, God's aim is to make us wiser, stronger, and better. And so we've got to go through the time, the parched places, knowing that the parched places are not our eternal residence. Lastly, we've got to understand that God saves us from the parched places. See, God won't keep us in the parched places forever. And that's why finally and ultimately God saves us from the parched places. And it's all about God's timing. 
when it's just right, God steps into the parched places. Isn't that what he says to Jacob? He says, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. I've got a timetable working with Jacob. And, and you are going to be here for a specific period of time. You will be tested and tried. You will be tempted. You'll go through tribulation and trials. You will experience uh, uh, the most uh, inhospitable situations. But know this. You got to know this. Yes, yes, yes. My wife spoke this morning about water. See, if you've got water in a vessel, it won't burn. You have it on the fire. Anybody knows that? It won't burn. It's when the water evaporates. It's when the water evaporates. It's, it's, when, it's, when, it's when you no longer have Jesus, the water of life, on the inside. That the trials begin to burn us. And what was made to strengthen us begins to break us down. See, God has a Goldilocks zone on our timing. The Goldilocks zone, also known as the habitable zone, is that region. There's both a celestial and a planetary. Because within a galaxy, there are certain places, if, if, a, if, 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 if a solar system is too close to the center of the galaxy, it's, in a, it's, it's inhospitable. Do you know why? Because you have your larger stars in the middle of the galaxy. Anybody following me? If you're following me, say amen. Good, good, good. So that's the galaxy. That's on the galaxy level. You see, the Milky Way is not towards the center of, the, of our galaxy. I mean, the, our solar system is not in the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Everybody understand that we are part of the Milky Way? Amen. But not only does that have to be true, within the solar system itself, you can't be too far away from the sun. Are too close to the sun. It's all about timing. It's all about knowing the right balance. When, 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 if you take it out, it's too early. And if you leave it in, it's too late. God says, I, I know what I'm doing with you. Do you believe that today? God says, I know what I'm doing with you. I'm, I'm working this thing out. I've got you in the Goldilocks zone. You've got just enough trials to keep you on your knees, but, 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 but not too much to break you. God says, and I know where I have you right now, and I know the timing that I'm working on. You've got just enough money to buy a real nice vegetarian meal, but not enough to be eating steak every night. Somebody, somebody say amen. Yeah. You got just enough money to buy a house for 200000 five years ago, but not enough to buy one for a million and be suffering so much today. I got you in that Goldilocks zone. And when the time is just right, 
I am going to step into that zone because I will not leave you in the parched places and I'm going to bring you back into the promised land. See, God's presence makes all the difference. If God is with me, it doesn't matter where I am because God is going to make it all right. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. If God is with you, then, uh, then your tests and trials, others may mean it for evil. But as long as God is with you, he means it for good and it's going to work out all right. You've got to believe. You've got to believe God has got you in that Goldilocks zone. And though you're going through tribulation right now, the things that should break you, they're not going to break you, but they're going to make you into the man that God wants you to be you gotta believe you've got to believe that God has got you in the Goldilocks zone and the toiling that you're doing now the work that you do that that nobody seems to appreciate God says don't worry about it I've got it under control and don't you know that my burden is easy and my load is lighter you've got to believe you've got to believe that I've got you in the Goldilocks zone and don't you know even in short turmoil I say even in turmoil I don't think you heard me even in turmoil when everything is going topsy-turvy around you, uh, 10,000 shall fall at your left and uh, a thousand at your right. It shall not come nigh unto you. I will give you the peace uh, that passes uh, all understanding. You've got to believe. You've got to believe that I've got you in that Goldilocks zone. I am with you. God says through, through transitions. When leaders leave. Because don't you know leaders will leave. God says when leaders leave. Jesus left. And I'm no Jesus. I know. Man. Some people who are not here today are happy I'm leaving. I'll say that publicly because I have hurt people. Have you ever hurt people before? I'm talking the truth. See, God says even in the transitions in life, you've got to understand that everything else is temporary. I am the only eternal wise God. The unmoved mover of everything. And I promise you, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you even in the transitions. Finally, God says, even in your triumphs. Because you do understand that Jacob made it back. didn't get killed in Haran didn't get slaughtered by his brother as he came back with his wives not sure if that part will be applicable to me as I go to, to Mormon country 
Come on now, bless the Lord with me. <laughs> he came back. He was triumphant. But God says, even in your triumphs, here on this earth, you got to believe, you've got to believe. The best is yet to come. With you always.